0: Sweet at today SOR.
1: As you know, we heard yesterday on the programme from people who took full advantage of the easing of government restrictions allowing people over 70 who are currently cocooning to venture out for what's described as a short walk once they avoid all physical contact with others. But has the language used in recent weeks to describe people who are over 70? uh, Has it been ageist? Has it been discriminatory? Has it been condescending? Well, to discuss this, I'm joined on the line by Inez Bailey, Chief Executive of the National Adult Literary Agency, who is going to speak to us about the choice of language. Also on the line, former RTE journalist and broadcaster, special correspondent Charlie Bird, who's in that uh, category known as Cocooners. And also joining me, Paddy Connolly, Chief Executive of Age Action Ireland. Uh, first of all, Paddy, uh, wh- what do you make of the language that we uh, that's entered into our, 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 our lexicon um, and our daily usage of particularly cocooning and older uh, elderly people and underlying conditions?
0: Yeah, I think it's become really problematic, and we, when this, the term cocooning was first announced, we, we put out a statement to say that what, what people wanted was clear information presented the way the government was doing it. Uh, they didn't require terms that were condescending or anyone to put any spin on how we talk about the issues that challenge us all in terms of COVID-19 and older people, and I think it has been really problematic. It has set us back. Uh, Quite a bit of time in terms of if you look at the media coverage, it's hard really to read an article now on COVID or on older people without it being accompanied by a photo of frail hands or somebody on a walking street, on a walking stick. So it has really become pervasive over the last number of weeks.
1: Yeah, but I mean, is there an alternative language that I mean, that's if you like, isn't overly politically correct and is not offensive in your view?
0: Well, it's not really about political correctness. I mean, there are real... Uh, Des Professor Des O'Neill wrote an article uh, a couple of years ago where he talked about language and that it has an impact. It's not about political correctness. This is real outcomes in terms of the, what older people would describe themselves as feeling invisible as they get older and being disappeared out of the policy system and how we make policy. And that has a real impact in terms of we have to ask ourselves, for example... Why so many deaths in nursing homes? We have to investigate those deaths. Why so many people, older people, are in institutions? So it's not just about language or political correctness. It's about... The impact of how we think about and talk about and public attitudes for ourselves, our relationship to ageing at a personal level, and how government talks about ageing. For example, very little data nowadays, CSO, Household Survey, employment data, aggregates everyone over 65. It doesn't recognize the diversity of older people. So it's not about political correctness. It's about real, uh, tangible uh, discriminations that result in an age of society.
1: Oh, how concerned would you be, as Bailey, Chief Executive of NALA, National Adult Literary Agency, uh, about the language that's used in regard to older people?
2: Well, I think we've all probably had an onslaught of very particular type of language with the, with the COVID outbreak. Um, and it's very much a medical language and, and a scientific language that wouldn't be commonly used in, in all of our everyday lives. And because there has been a particular focus on people over 70 and people with health issues... Um, there have been I suppose, specific language um, created or used as concepts around them, um, which ordinarily wouldn't be how we would either think of people over 70, for example. Um, so we, we're in a bit of an experiment here in relation to how language has been applied for the entire population with a particular focus on, on, on older people. And I think it's very challenging because that language has come from a medical and scientific background.
1: Charlie Bird, good morning. Morning, Um, Sean. I don't think I or any of our listeners can conceive of you as being somebody who would be an elderly person or a cocoon or, or, or even over 70? How, how have you been getting on and what do you think of all this language that's being used about people in your age category?
3: Well I think it's been absolutely scary and to be honest Sean I think it's been disgraceful. Can I just draw your attention to yesterday I saw a headline on one website which said that um, apparently a senior government official had said that 70 year olds uh, if they go out shouldn't talk to anybody. And I see in today's Irish Times, on page 2 and page 3, on one page it says residential uh, care deaths reach 819 and right across from it it says over 70s advised not to stop and talk when out exercising. Sean, I was out exercising, I'm, I come into that category of, of, of 70. I was outside exercising this morning and I stopped and I talked to my neighbours. And my neighbours and I have grown into a fantastic community spirit with the people who live around me and quite a few of them are over 70. I stopped and I spoke to the Church of Ireland uh, retired rector. We stood more than two, uh, two metres apart, we stood nearly four or five. But when you see the language that's being used, don't stop and talk to your neighbors. I don't know where it is coming from, Sean. It should be, this should all boil down to common sense. And the truth is that at the very outset of this story in relation to cocooning, people who were 70 and over were completely misled. And I believe it was done deliberately. And eventually the penny clicked, I think, with with some people uh, uh, who were obviously advising the government that uh, they realised that people were walking outside. And if I can make one other point... Misled
1: in what way do you say people were misled, Charlie?
3: Because, Sean, people understood that you must not... It's plain English language. I think Michael McDool, who's a former Minister for Justice and Attorney General, said it was wrong. He said, you must not go outside, and in fact, it, it, we eventually learned, and it took four, about four weeks, and to be honest, Sean, and I don't want to uh, paint a picture for all the media, but I think it, th- more questions could have been asked in relation to this, uh, th- this original issue when it was put out, you must not go outside. Sorry, the point I was going to make, which I think is really important, cocooning is a two-way street. They've been asking people, you can be 69 one day and 70 the next to cocoon, but I actually believe that cocooning should stop not only for 70-year-olds and everybody over that, but to be honest, it should also stop for some of the people who are making uh, government policies, that they should listen to people. And the point I'm trying to make is, in the little housing estate where I live, the road, by the way, is... Six metres wide, so I can stand at one side of my road and have a human conversation with the people who are at the far side, who we've grown up into a community spirit, and that we understand one another. And that's what's been happening. I believe the government um, and the people who have been advising them—they really haven't been uh, doing themselves um, a, a proper job in this area. And I know sorry, I think it's really important to say we know that they're trying to do the best that they can. We're all, but we all understand common sense.
1: Yeah, but, but, but to come back to yourself, Inés, uh, this is an unprecedented global pandemic. I suppose, really, we're just trying to protect people, however clumsy the language may be.
2: Yeah, and I, I think we are following um, both the medical and scientific evidence, and, and that's how we're actually, you know, coping with this. Um, one of the things I think we've tried to do is actually break down some of the language that's used. So we did work with Um, the HSE in producing an A to Z guide, just to actually look at some of the terms. Because I know cocooning has has had a particular, I suppose, effect on people in terms of, I think people felt a little bit disempowered by that term. But there's lots of actual language around COVID um, that we've all had to learn. And actually breaking down some of the language, I think is one of the ways of doing that, by actually explaining the terms and giving people an opportunity to talk about what they mean and how they can, I suppose, adopt them in their own lives, If if you think about it, if this is the science, we we aren't scientific objects ourselves, we're people. So we're all going to have our own little kinks and quirks and interpretations. So a bit like Charlie saying what he's doing, you know, I've noticed people in my own neighbourhood who are who are who've been doing loops and, and, you know, are kind of saying, maybe apologizing sometimes for being seen outside because they're a bit worried should they be seen outside, but then at the same time they, they are deciding to do it for themselves. So there's a little bit here of I suppose making sure we don't take away the agency of people themselves that they are in control of their lives. Um, and they're well informed, though, about what is in their best interests, in effect, that they're controlling that by the information and, and the education about this um, particular um, outbreak.
1: Paddy Connolly, the word vulnerable has been used quite a lot as well. Is that something that you think is OK?
0: No, because, again, I think it speaks to Anais's to point there about agency. It's not your age that makes you vulnerable, and and, uh, Charlie has touched on this as well. It's the circumstances around you. It's the support you have or the lack of support for all of us. That we that make that create vulnerability for us. We're not vulnerable because we're sixty-five or because we're seventy. Now we have to temper all this with an acknowledgement that thirteen hundred people uh, have died of COVID nineteen, and we understand what uh, the government and what public health experts are, are uh, and saying. And the bulk
1: of them would be aged over eighty years. I think it's true yes, to say. but
0: but also we have to we have to acknowledge that issues around ageism predate COVID nineteen. You know, out, out of Ten public consultations in the last, uh, since November, nine of them were online. Over 50% of people over 65 are not online. So there's a significant issue in terms of how we do our business, how we talk to older people, civil society. And actually, Sean, one of the other features of this whole event, the COVID-19 event, is there's been no consultation whatsoever with older people or civil society organizations that, that work with them in, at any level. Uh, through this whole process. So older people have been talked about. One man rang me last week and said he was tired of being condescended to. They've been talked about rather than to through this whole process.
1: Yeah um and uh, there's a lot of text news to say coming in Charlie this I think is one for you I'm appalled to hear this criticism of the over 70 strategy over 70s are in a privileged financial position with mortgages paid and pensions rolling in the middle aged and youth are paying dearly in the pockets to keep this age group safe a bit of gratitude please cop on
0: well, of mortgages over sixty-five are in arrears. Actually. Well, Sean, sorry,
3: with all due respect, I mean, one would expect that type of, of comment. By the way, just to, who is one of the most famous uh, over-seventies people in the world who's dealing with real issues at the moment, and he's standing right beside probably one of the maddest people in the world, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's seventy-nine years of age. And I hope to God that he's not cocooning and that he's actually listening to people. Well, I think he's Uh, about
1: to be stood down, according to the latest announcement last night from Donald Trump. Because he's
3: been telling the truth. Because he's been telling the truth. And, Sean, I don't know if you... uh, about About three or four weeks ago... Um, it, it, this issue that every time people, anybody asks a question, um, Cynthia O'Toole yesterday had a brilliant article in the Irish Times. Criticism, is, as he said, is not unpatriotic. It is still important to ask questions and for us to have a discussion among ourselves. Um, but about four weeks ago, um, the Minister for Health was on Morning Ireland one morning and Brian Dobson was asking him this very point about if you're living someplace and there's nobody around you, can you go out? Can you go, stop cocooning and go out? And he actually said, I don't like using the expression cocooning, but yet that is the very expression that the government used and they had advertisements out all the time telling people they must not go out. And I think what you're hearing from the truth, two contributors this morning is it's time that people that there was a two-way discussion or a three-way discussion that, that, that various communities are brought into this discussion and that it's not just we cannot have it being handed down all the time. Sean, yeah. you know better than I at one stage the government ministers didn't even want a discussion in the Doyle and they criticized the opposition when they were going to have a discussion in the diet now at least we've got that far and we're now going to have a committee which is putting questions to the people and that's
1: right um, if I can come back to you, Paddy Connolly, a, a mutual colleague or friend and colleague of uh, Charlie Byrd's and mine, Sean Dagner, got into big trouble with his boss, Albert Reynolds, oh, about a quarter of a century ago during a, a European uh, referendum, a treaty referendum, for suggesting or being quoted as saying, you know, our policy is to strike terror into the hearts of the Irish people and make them vote yes. I mean, do you think there's an element of the government setting out to strike terror into the hearts of the Irish people with the way they've handled communications on this?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that would be going too far. I think what the, the biggest gap has been, and, and it's, it's a feature of our, our politics and policy making, is the absence of older people themselves in the conversation. Uh, they're not involved in the debate. They're not consulted with. And I think that's been the big issue. I mean, I think this was, crisis was led from a public health point of view correctly from the beginning. And we talk weekly to the HSE. So there are real fears around this. But I think as we now plan for a future for, uh, for, with COVID-19, The government needs to pivot to a much broader consultation, as Charlie said. And also, it would be a major shock to us all if coming out of the current talks now to former government, there isn't a real strategy around ageing ageing and home care and those types of issues.
3: Sean, I have to say I disagree with Paddy. I believe, and I'm being quite blunt here, I believe at the very outset, that's what the policy was was to strike fear into, and particularly, uh, the 70-year-olds. I don't think there is any doubt about that. That was the language that was used, and that's why I go back to it. All after halfway through it, it was changed because it wasn't against the law. But nobody, I I remember the day that this this policy changed. I went out and I spoke to 10 neighbours who were in this category at a distance, socially distancing, and I asked every one of them. And each of the 10 people I spoke to told me that they all believed from the very outset that it was mandatory. And that was the language used by the government, by their advisors, and it was used every Every
1: day in the media. Uh, Inez Bailey of NALA, any suggested alternative language that you might like to offer us?
2: Well, as I said, we, we did produce with the HC a kind of a guide to some of the common terms that are used um, for COVID. So that's available to anybody who can go online to NALA.ie or ring us on our helpline. I know, but 1800, just tell us, a bit about 20, about
1: the, tell us a little bit about the content. Save us making the call.
2: Well, it actually even deals with sort of the, what, does it, what is exactly meant by the word cocooning, for example. So it does clarify that, you know, it isn't the law, for example, um, but it does explain what it, what it was set out to try and achieve in terms of the, the
1: term. OK, well look, uh, thank you uh, very much indeed uh, for joining us on the programme. And my thanks to you, Inez Bailey of NALA, Charlie Bard, former RT correspondent and Paddy Connolly, Chief Executive of Age Action Ireland. Uh, lots and lots of texts coming in on this one. I see a tweet from Helen O'Dea, uh, the C word, Cocooning is a repulsive made-up turn to make o- other people feel good. They might as well have used embalming. <laughs> By the way, most older people and those with health problems were staying in long before, weeks before this patronising dinner Iktat came down. Uh, Another one, uh, the blanket designation of the over 70s as cocooners with more significant restrictions on movement than the general population is discriminatory and does does not recognise the fact that many of us continue to work and are fit and healthy.